Thank you, Cheryl, and thank you for a great word. Uh, for many months, I've felt the river that's flowing through this house at knee deep. This morning when I worked in, I felt that it has reached mid-thigh, and I got the sense it's permanently shifted, and it, there will be no regression. There'll be no uh, lowering of the riverbank's uh, markings. It won't return to knee deep. We are mid-thigh and we will forever be mid-thigh and more. We've tipped into a new measuring point on the riverbank. Find yourself sensitive and attuned to the river. God is moving and he's raising. He's raising the tide in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you as we come around the word today. It lands in soft hearts. Thank you, Lord. You've called this room to attention. You've called our friends online to attention we lean in, we lean in, we lean in. Deb Brown, I'm not sure if you made it today. Uh, it's true, some have navigated the roadblocks, but nevertheless, I want to honour Deb Brown, who is hosting Soul Care at Haven at the moment. Soul Care is a powerful course. It's founded on the truth, it's rich and it resonates and it is spreading like a wildfire around our region right now. It's literally going viral in many spaces and at Haven Thursday mornings and I want to encourage you to step in if you can. And if you can't but you feel compelled towards it, I want to encourage you to Google uh, Rob Reimer and, and Soul Care and uh, make space because uh, the Lord is tending to our hearts in this time. Um, and it's powerful to be um, clear-sighted as we move forward. And Deb, uh, as I was coming towards Sunday, and I'm just going to speak to the camera, uh, I saw you in a heavy, uh, deep purple royal robe. Clearly, it was from the king's closet. And I didn't watch the coronation uh, this weekend, but I understand that King Charles' robe was first fashioned for his great-grandfather and then reworked for himself. And I got the sense, Deb, that you were wearing your father's robe. And I got the sense, the, the nature of the robe is that it is spacious and abundant. And I saw this robe, Deb, and I saw that you could almost shelter a whole family in the excessiveness and the generosity of the robe. And I saw a family gathered uh, in around you. And the scripture that came to mind is you are a strong tower and people can run into it. The Lord is a strong tower and people will run into it. And Deb, I saw you cloaked in the, the king's garment and I saw those that are in, in desperate need of freedom and clarity. I saw them running into the strong tower that you are. I saw that you're a gateway of freedom a gateway of love and a gateway of transformation in Jesus' mighty name. So I honour you today, Deb, even in your absence. And Harry, where are you? Harry Staines, calling Harry Staines. Can you come forward, please? Can you just step into that entry space right there? Oh, watch that main character energy, main character energy, main character energy. Uh, I want to honour you, Harry, um, your service and your heart and your leadership has just burst forth. It has burst forth. And I, I saw the Lord, I, I saw the Holy Spirit with his cheeks 
filled with air, and I saw him blowing dust off the surplus and the giftings that he's sown and woven and intended towards your life. I saw him blowing the dust off and, and bringing these gifts forth, and they, they came forth as new. They came forth in brilliant, vibrant color. And I want to say your heart is a nursery greenhouse like your mother's. You have the heart like your mother, fertile soil, full of flowers and life and creative expression. And I saw the father as the master gardener, and he has been tending to your heart under the canopy of the greenhouse. Your heart has been in the safest of hands. And I saw numerous creative streams flowing from the overflow of your heart. And this time they will not be cut short. They will not be cut short. They will not be cut short. You will start and you will finish what you begin. You will finish what you begin. You will finish what you will begin. And I saw the fruit of faithfulness. It's an enduring fruit. It only bursts forth when you remain, when you remain, when you remain, when you tend, when you tend, when you tend, when you endure, when you endure, when you endure. And I saw the fruit of faithfulness bursting forth in your life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Uh, And Pastor Florence and Blessing, who I believe is serving the children right now, Um, I saw you running with binoculars. (laughs) You were hand in hand and you both held a set of like uh, retro binoculars to your eyes and you were running and you were focusing forward and there is a new measure of focus on your future. There is a new measure of spiritual sight and I saw that you're going to give this next chapter in time to mapping out your future. I saw that there was going to be um, not an ad hoc um, reactive um, response to your future, but actually you were going to hone in and you were going to um, steward your future. I saw saw you coming around intention, a one-year plan, a three-year plan, a five-year plan with intentionality like you've not stewarded before. I saw you running with binoculars, running in sync, running in perfect union, perfect union, perfect union, hand in hand, focus towards your future, focus towards stewarding your future. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So I'm going to bring a word this morning, uh, and we're going to throw that screen art up. Uh, Cynicism or reformation? Cynicism is the rocks in the kingdom field, and that's why I've gone with this screen art today to show that the visual impact of the rocks in the kingdom field Rocks in the soil are not malleable. They deflect things around. Cynicism is an inclination to believe that people are motivated purely by self-interest and scepticism. An inclination to question whether something will happen or whether it is worthwhile pessimism. And if I drill down into cynicism, uh, this would be the rock that I strike, that deflects and dismisses and misses what God is doing. I've shared on uh, religion, 
the primary opponent to revival in these days that we're in. Cynicism and revelation can't coincide. They come from different origins. Knowledge and cynicism can, however, coincide. How many times have we sat in a service and dismissed something? We've said to ourselves, that's not for me. Cynicism, pessimism, scepticism, all cause us to miss out on the fullness. However, we are coming into times, and it's the cry of my pastor's heart, that no one would miss out on the fullness of what God is doing in this time. In Jesus' name. See, if we adopt a, a hopeless uh, world view, uh, like the world around us, our faith levels are low and we lose hope. Please don't drift along on the sea of apathy, on the sea of hopelessness. Don't drift along uh, on the sea that we see around us in the world around us, uh, that sea of hopelessness, that hopeless worldview. Um, unbiblical optimism will produce cynicism. Uh, if we sit in the shallows of the scriptures, if we just eat the sweets and we don't strengthen from the meat and the veggies, uh, those scriptures, when the wind blows, we become cynical because we're not deeply rooted. Uh, I remember as a young minister, we were pastoring in Sydney and we had uh, Pastor Theo Warmerens, who's a profound healing minister from South Africa. We had an 800-seat auditorium. It was filled with people that desperately needed God to move in their life. I was a young assistant pastor, and I was curious. Pastor Theo's ministry is known for legs growing. And so you would literally see legs grow and, and spines realigned um, in his ministry. Um, on this particular day, I was moved by curiosity. Um, I thought, I just want to get in the prayer line because I'm just curious about what God's doing there. So I got in the prayer line and I got prayed for and I felt nothing. <laughs> I didn't have a need. I was just curious. <laughs> curiosity is not hunger and it's not faith. Sometimes I think, how can people be missing what God is doing amongst us? Curiosity is of the mind. Faith is of the spirit. They are reaching with the wrong part of their anatomy. If you come with curiosity, you'll be satisfied according to your curiosity. If you come and you reach with a spirit that is hungry and thirsty for the fullness of God, you'll be satisfied according to the reach of your spirit. We are not just here to tickle your ears and entertain you on a Sunday. We want to stir up your spirit, give you a spiritual workout so that you can grasp the fullness, the fullness, the fullness of what God is doing in these times. When we are desperate, we reach. 
like the woman with the issue of blood who had struggled for 12 years, who pressed through the crowd, got down on her knees, grasped the hem of Jesus, and power entered her, and she was healed. She's the hero in that story for her hunger, for her tenacity, because she was determined. Rather than rocks, let's cultivate seeds in our lives. Rocks are lifeless. Seeds contain a future. Matthew 17, 20 says, He answered, Because of your little faith, your lack of trust and confidence in the power of God, for I assure you and most solemnly say to you, If you have living faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. And if it is God's will, it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. And Luke 17, 6 says this, And the Lord said, If you have confident, abiding faith in God even as small as a mustard seed. You could say to this mulberry tree, which has very strong roots, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea. And if the request was in agreement with the will of God, it would have obeyed you. Lord, I pray that the deep-rooted things in our lives would respond to our mustard seed faith and be uprooted, be uprooted, be uprooted in Jesus' mighty name. I want to say uh, stop submitting to the things that are deeply rooted in your life. Stop tolerating, stop tolerating, stop tolerating the things that are deeply rooted and are causing oppression and suppression and bondage and robbing your joy. Stop tolerating, stop tolerating, stop tolerating. And instead exercise that mustard seed of faith and watch it become uprooted, uprooted, uprooted in Jesus' mighty name. So Sarah scoffed in her heart. I love the humanity of the scriptures. It's comforting. It's grounding. In Genesis 18, 11 to 14, Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So She laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, Can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. How many times have we questioned? Have we laughed? Have we scoffed in our heart? Cynicism. It can cut our future off at the pass. Cynicism derails. I remember as a young minister, I had ministered 
in the States, and that was one threshold to break through. And then I ministered in the UK. I have special angelic music for this moment. <laughs> Woo. Um, I ministered in the UK, and that was another threshold to break through as a young minister. And I was on my best behaviour and I was wanting to serve wholeheartedly and to do my best. I was learning a lot. And because of the posture of my heart, I was uncharacteristically hoodwinked in a moment. And a young senior minister influenced me with a judgment towards another minister in which I was meant to go and minister for. And because I was so open-hearted, I wasn't guarding my heart. I got influenced by the sound of the judgment. It affected my heart. I finished ministering in the UK. Uh, I was meant to minister in Germany. And I spent two days at the airport and I could not get on the plane. An Arctic Siberian wind blew across the UK and Europe and would not allow planes to lift off. Two days I felt like I was on Groundhog day. I just turned up at the airport at the crack of dawn, moseyed around with the same group of people that were just trying to get to our destination, and it was not released. Instead, I um, took trains across Europe and finally made it to Amsterdam was my next destination, and with 15 minutes to go before I was due to speak that night, put my lipstick on, got up on the platform just in time. But the entire plan was interrupted because I'd allowed judgment to enter my heart. I'd allowed scepticism. I'd allowed cynicism to enter my heart. Our plans can be hoodwinked and derailed when we allow our hearts to get contaminated. And it was a big lesson for me. And I've spent the last years ministering via Zoom to so many Germans I've lost count of, but I have not been permitted or released to set my foot on that, on the soil of that nation. That's a big learning curve for a young minister. Honour is powerful in the kingdom. Doors, sacred doors, swing open on the hinges of honour. And cynicism cuts holy plans off at the pass. And I learnt a valuable, humbling lesson in that moment. Honour grants us access to sacred ground. And I want to ask us what people, what places, what opportunities would you like access to? Genuine honour makes a way. So I love the story of Abraham and Sarah uh, because in spite of Sarah's cynicism, God moved to release Abraham's future. And that is the nature of my God. Instead of the roadblock of cynicism, let's cultivate the riverbanks of reformation. I'm going to change tack and uh, talk a little bit this morning about reformation here this morning. Reformation is the overflow of revival. And we are tipping into those significant, breathtaking, life-giving days when life springs up along the riverbanks of revival. Reformation means making changes to something with the intention of setting it back on the right path. 
Cynicism deflects and short circuits, but reformation restores. Who would like to see some reformation in the lives of your children and your family and your businesses and your finances and your body and your sphere of influence and your future and your property? Who would like to see some reformation by the mighty hand of God? So this word, uh, reformation, is found in Hebrews 9.10, being the translation of diothesis. That's a Greek word uh, meaning to make straight. And it was used of restoring to the originally straight condition that which is crooked or bent. And in this passage, it means the rectification of conditions, setting things right. I was pigeon-toed as a little girl, around the age of two, three, a little girl, and I, I went to bed with rods running down my legs and leather boots, calipers, in order to rectify that which was bent and out of joint and to make straight and restore, to bring reformation to my legs. And my mum, who is a powerful praying mum, who were a force of God nature, praying mums, she declared over me, Hebrews 12, 13, and make straight paths for your feet, so that which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Who would like to see that scripture applied to some parts of their life that need to be rectified and not be put out of joint, but rather be healed, be healed, be healed. And it was important for this little girl, this little Nat Taylor, that my legs were straightened and healed um, because I would grow up to become a dancer. And it wasn't just about future function. It was about future call. Much of what we're contending for, for our children, is not just about future function. It's about the fullness of the release of their call, their call, their call. And no one advocates like a godly mother for their children and their future call, their future call, their future call. So we're calling that which is out of joint into healing, into reformation, the return to the right path in our marriages. Are we the cynic or the reformist? Is one committed to reforming and the other snagged on cynicism? No wonder there is so much contention around our agreement. If we laid our weapons down in humility and came together, it would change everything. So we're calling the world around us, the world around us, not just back into whole function, but into the fullness of call, transfiguration. That is what we're here for as Christ's representatives, to redeem back to original purpose and launch into it. 
And the pilgrims and the prodigals and the nomads are returning. They're coming out of places of obscurity and they're coming back into the body. And I had a vision. I often have visions around this threshold of the church. And I saw a 1950s pilgrim traveller cross the threshold and he had a trench coat and he had a um, uh, briefcase and he had one of those hats and he crossed the threshold and he bowed his head and he removed his hat and he held it to his chest and it was a powerful picture for me of the humility coming over the pilgrim and I think the image that struck me the most was that removing his hat and holding it to his chest like a gentleman of the last era acknowledging the father with humility do you know as our friends come as we come all we need to do is acknowledge the father in humility when they say to you what am I going to have to do to come into this place what am I going to have to be to come into this place just say approach the father with humility you don't need all the answers you don't have to work it all out just come with a tender heart come with humility and the father will work it all out for you it's what he does in Jesus name the hat for me represents independent ideology which is rife in our world right now it's still a little bit rife in the church because we're still working out how to really come with humility before the Lord. But the world is going to bow the knee to lay their independent ideology down. And in exchange, they will receive the mantle of peace. And that's all they really want. It's all we really want is the mantle of peace. The world is going to bow the knee. And you know, much of the angst of the world is because they are identifying with everything except Jesus. And when they identify with Jesus, come as they may, they will receive the mantle of peace. And it's all we want. Can I hear an amen out there here today? So cynicism prevents humility. It gets us up on our high horse. But in humility, we receive. I want to share a beautiful um, story as I just round up here today. Maybe Anthony could just come and join me. Um, I had the privilege several weeks ago of visiting um, Campsie Prison. Um, Dave and Julie Davis, beautiful members of our church, partnered with the inmates through No Kid Hungry to distribute food to the families of inmates. Um, what a glorious idea. And so I joined them on this day um, to celebrate with the inmates their good works. And uh, it, was, it was phenomenal. The atmosphere was not what I was expecting. It was an open heaven. I'm not exaggerating or preaching when I say this. It was an open heaven atmosphere in that place. There were kingdom seeds everywhere. There was a witness in the, of the gospel in this one and that one and that one. I looked with my prophetic sight and I could just see kingdom seeds everywhere. We're on the cusp of a mighty, mighty move of God in Kempsey Prison. It is coming, it is coming, it is coming, it is coming. I saw soft, open hearts all around. We need to lay down our confined expectations. The lens is too small 
for the days ahead. Many times God is going to blow our minds at what he is doing in and around the neighborhood. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. So revival will be defined by testimony from the darkest, hardest parts of our lives and parts of our community. There are stories coming out of the prison. There are stories coming out of the hardened places, the obscure places, the disenchanted places. Watch and see what the Lord will do. So I met a First Nations man in this visit, and his name is John. And he knows God and he is prophetic as many First Nations people are. And he sent me a document just a couple of weeks ago uh, that he's been working on for Parliament. And in John's document, the opening scripture is the voice of one calling in the wilderness. And I want to acknowledge John and honour him as I share and quote from him today. He speaks of reformation in this document, in his own words, which he titles, The Children of the Resurrection, a Resurrection Culture. And he shares a dream where I found myself at the feet of our Lord and Saviour as he hung on the cross and where I noticed a pile of holy books stacked up all around the base of the cross. And he is like John on the island of Patmos, John on the island of Kempsey Prison, indulged in the Word, immersed in the Word, having the witness of revelation. (laughs) And he goes on to say, perhaps we need to go a little deeper than just breaking the cycle, more like restoring the collective soul of a broken people, a broken culture, a once dignified race. Perhaps the time has come to unlock that perfect plan which our Heavenly Father has always had for all the children of this great southern land. Forgive us our trespasses and we forgive those who trespassed against us, wiping clean not only the proverbial slate but the hearts of all his children who by applying and in obedience to his divine authority will not only exercise the manifestation of his abundant representation on earth, earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But who, through the tender mercy of a forgiving heart and who are willing to pardon with compassion all the wrongs of the past, cannot help but establish the rebuilding of that brand new day, that brand new dawn, the beginning of a brand new age of reconciliation. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. I want to recap my meanderings here today. If I drill down into cynicism, it will be the rock that I strike that deflects, dismisses and misses what God is doing. How many times have we questioned, laughed, scoffed in our heart? 
Cynicism can cut our future off at the pass. Cynicism deflects and short circuits. Reformation restores. We are calling that which is out of joint into healing, into reformation, the return to the right path. Cynicism prevents humility, but in humility we receive. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes right across this room and consider in your own heart, weigh your own heart. Psalm 1.1 says, Blessed, fortunate, prosperous and favoured by God is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, following their advice and example, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit down to rest in the seat of scoffers, ridiculers, cynics. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, his precepts and teachings. He habitually meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted and fed by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither and whatever he does, he prospers and comes to maturity. He is a reformationist. A reformationist who believes in or initiates reform. These are the people of sacrifice and focus and faith and obedience. So I want you to uh, bow your head and close your eyes and consider in your heart, have you been hoodwinked by cynicism? Have you partnered with cynicism? Has it got the better of you? Has it cut you off at the path? Have you come under the influence of the sound of cynicism? And I'm going to ask you if you would, if you would just lift your hand to acknowledge before God. Yeah, there's a sound of cynicism that's been running through my life. I can acknowledge it. I can see it in humility. I can identify it. And I raise my hand in acknowledgement before the Father. I raise my hand in acknowledgement, in humility before the Father. I thank you, Lord, for freedom to respond in this place right now. Freedom to respond in this place. Permission, permission, permission. Permission, permission, permission. And I just want you to say before the Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry for allowing cynicism to get the better of me. I just want you to confess before him right now, Lord, I'm sorry. I got hoodwinked by cynicism. I allowed it to influence me. My choices, my decisions and my words, my actions and my ways. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Lord, set me free today from cynicism. Help me to walk in your ways. As you pray this prayer, an honest prayer before the Father, I believe there'll be a shift, there'll be a shift, there'll be a shift. And your tone will change, your tone will change, your tone will change. And you'll find that you think clearer and see clearer and sound different. I believe there'll be a witness in your family. Your sound will change. Your sound will change. The Lord is setting us free from cynicism in this place today, here today, here today. Setting us free, setting us free, setting us free. Lord, we pour out our confession before you. 
Lord, we bring our honest hearts before you. Set us free from cynicism here today. In Jesus' mighty name. I'm going to ask you to stand right across this room. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And I'm going to pray for the Reformationists in this place today. I'm going to pray for the ones that know that they are predestined to bring reform for the sake of the kingdom, the sake of the kingdom, the sake of the kingdom. If you know in your heart, I am one. I am one such as she says that is called to bring reform, to bring kingdom life to earth, to bring the heart of heaven and our work it in my sphere. I'm going to ask those ones that identify and know. I'm going to ask you to move and stand on the altar today. A bold move, a declaration. I am a reformationist. I am here to bring life to barren places. I am here to represent the kingdom, to represent the kingdom. Kingdom. If you would come quickly and move right to the front, move right to the front if you would. There's a multitude of reformationists in this room here today. Why would you not want to be a reformationist? Why would you not want to represent the kingdom in this time in the earth? Give yourself permission to move. Give yourself permission to be one that stands and represents the kingdom, represents the kingdom, represents the kingdom in your sphere. We're going to rise and I'm going to pray for some people here today.